We are here with another episode of the Caldwell 11th Ward Podcast. I'm Tom Blaisdell, your host. We are here with uh, Leonard Holst. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for uh, having me over. It's good to be able to chat with you. We just spoke to Donna, and uh, um, it was good to hear from, from her. Well, it's going to be kind of interesting to uh, tell about a 85-year-old's life. That's right. <laughs> um well, let's get uh, let's go go into the very beginning of it. Where where were you born and raised? I was born in Salem, Oregon, twenty July nineteen thirty seven. And uh, folks lived in Oregon for a short time during the Depression because there wasn't any money or there wasn't any work to be had in Nebraska. Then after the uh, Depression eased, why uh, the folks moved back to. Um, Johnstown, Nebraska, where my grandfather had ground that they um, worked, and my dad worked with his grand with his father, my grand grandfather Peter, and then came along 1943, 1943, no, it's 42, 1942, we need uh, four sections of the ground around my grandfather's place, which was flat and it was just good agricultural ground. We need to build an air base to train B-17 pilots and B-51 pilots. And so that's when the folks uh, moved to Idaho because my Aunt Lois had already moved here and she kept writing letters to my mother. She said, uh, Grace, you've just got to come to Idaho. The wind never blows in Idaho. So that's how come we wound up in Caldwell. Well, you picked the right side of the state because eastern Idaho, it never stops blowing. Exactly. So uh, we've just lived in Idaho from that time. And I'm always thankful the fact that uh, I was able to grow up and live in the great state of Idaho. And actually, one of the reasons would be that the, I found the gospel. Because had uh, we not moved to Idaho, I would have never met Donna and uh, wouldn't have been introduced to the gospel. So it was very, very beneficial. Then no. we moved to Idaho. So we did. Uh, when I lived at home, my folks had cows and dad milked them in the morning and I milked them at night because he was out working and so he wasn't normally home. But uh, was raised on agricultural 10-acre farm and so learned how to work. Learned uh, about... Uh, how things uh, were done on a farm. And where was this farm at? Where was the ground at? It was on uh, South Montana, just past uh, Homedale Road. Okay. On the left-hand side, it's a two-story house. It's still there. <laughs> still there. One of the few that are still there. But that 10 acres has still not been subdivided, and so it's still like it was when... I was going to school in high school. In grade school, I went to Maple Grove Grade School from the second grade to the eighth. 
And then we, in 1951, went to Caldwell High School. And Which uh, is where you met Donna? Yep. She moved from Payette over to Caldwell in 51, and we really didn't uh, do anything together until we were juniors. And so then uh, asked her out on a date and went and saw High and the Mighty. You still remember the movie? Still remember the movie. That's Where was right. the theater at that time? Uh, you remember? It's down on Main. Main Street in downtown is booming now. Was it like that? Was it busy down there? Was it was it bustling like it is now? There was everything on Main Street. McCourt's Bakery uh, was there right by uh, the corner of Kimball and, and Main. And uh, pharmacies, I mean, anything you wanted, shoes, clothes, it was there on Main Street. The hmm. uh, Saratoga Hotel was there on the corner, and a uh, great place to go uh, eat until it burned down. That's right. Ago. Anyway, no, Main Street, Caldwell was a going down because... There weren't many people that uh, really could go to Boise. So it was come to Caldwell and do your shopping and be able to get anything you needed in the way of what it took to raise a family. What do you think changed? Because for quite a few, I remember growing up, there wasn't as much going on. Nobody went down to Main Street for anything. We went down to King's and Craft Corner. That was about it in the 80s, but... Uh, why do you, why do you think it got away from that? Why why do you think so much got away? Do you think it was because of the growth of of Boise and the shopping malls? Well, that was part of it, but Carter Mall mm -hmm. came into existence, and so the big stores became uh, the thing where people went to shop, and so the mom and pop stores in Caldwell couldn't make enough money, and so they had to close up. Mm -hmm. But there's just there were just a lot of really good merchandisers and people that uh, were running stores in Caldwell. And evidently, they made good money because they stayed there for quite a while until finally came to the point they couldn't make any money anymore, and so they closed down. Where was the uh, hangout that you would go to? What, what places do you remember most that you really enjoyed going with your friends in those days? Uh, Tots 10. It was right there on the corner of uh, 10th and, hmm, now I can't remember the street going out, but anyway. Testing your memory. This, <laughs> is, this is where the guys went because there were two that ran the, the fueling, the gas station, mm -hmm. that were good friends, and we could go down there during lunch hour and hang around and just uh, be ornery kids. So we, uh, and Lake Lowell, uh, we did a lot, we've done a lot of things on Lake Lowell. Uh, have to tell you that, uh, I think it must have been the winter of 48 or 49, the lake froze over. And uh, my dad had a Plymouth car, four door. And it's one of those things that the, the kids shouldn't have ever done. 
but uh, Leonard went out on the frozen service of Lake Lowell. It was that frozen? You took a car out on it? Took a car out oh. on it and did cookies and dipsy doodles and <laughs> yes, sir. That's awesome. Uh, did your parents find out about it? I don't know whether they did or not. <laughs> I, I haven't got a clue. They would have found out probably if we'd broken through the ice, but that That's didn't funny. happen. Now, the old Caldwell High School, uh, Donna said she didn't like it much. She just creaky old stairs, kind of a spooky place. What do you remember about the old, old high school that's now torn down across from where the Ever Building was? I didn't find it uh, all that bad because uh, I was in industrial arts down in the basement with Irving Stieber and learned how to do woodworking and went down there. And choir was down in the basement with Mrs. Wagner. And so... Uh, we uh, put together um, musicals and things in the old auditorium and then also uh, practice in the basement of the old gymnasium at Cowell High School. But, I mean, I think that it was a great building because it was, it had some character. <laughs> it had some character. A lot of things happened. In that school, and some of my uh, not what you would say favorite teachers, but uh, some of my freshman teachers, like uh, Mrs. Peterson, who was the English teacher. Oh, she was she was hell on wheels. I mean, she was she wanted things done the right way, and so you kind of didn't like to have her class, but you learned something about English. From Mrs. Peterson, and then bio biology. Um, it was a it was a good class because uh, he was an older gentleman and uh, had poor hearing, and so a lot of things went on in class that probably normally kids wouldn't have gotten away with. That's awesome. <laughs> what else do you remember? When you were growing up in high school, what was what were some of the uh, uh, difficult times you had as as a teenager back then? I really don't remember any difficult times in high school. No, because I I had a good time in high school. I enjoyed uh, the things that were going on. We just we just did a lot of fun things. Some of them weren't uh, quite so. Uh, according to Hoyle. But uh, we did them anyway. <laughs> now, growing up, uh, are there any were there any influential familial relationships that uh, that influenced your life? Influenced my life. Well, I would have to say that when we started uh, uh, becoming interested in Donna, why? I rode the school bus from out at the house into the school. Sometimes I would uh, get, there, get there early enough that I could go to seminary because they had just started seminary classes at that time. And I remember the seminary teacher, uh, Dr. or Mr. Craner, Brother Craner. And one of the things that I remember about his class was the fact that he said he was in the um, Calgary 
temple, Calgary, Calgary, anyway, and for what reason, I don't know, but he says, as we were sitting in that particular session that day, the roof of the temple opened up and we were looking into the heavens, and it made an impression on me, so that was an important thing that that would happen, because I didn't know anything about the church, but was was learning. Hmm. Would you say that was one of the first times that you recognized, now that you're thinking about it now, that you recognized the Spirit in your life? Yes. God was trying to talk to you. Yes, I do. It was uh, It was one of those important things, one of the many things that has happened in my life that I know that uh, God lives and and that Jesus Christ is my older brother. And he did take on my sins. And so I, I know that from all the things that have happened during my life. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, you met Donna. You got married young. Uh, at a high school. She went to school for a year, she said, down at BYU. Half a year. Half a year. What were you up to after you graduated high school? Uh... Really, uh, I kind of bummed around and didn't do a whole lot. I, initially, uh, when I graduated from high school, I went to work for Idaho Power Company on a mobile line crew. And we were running, working on an um, air compressor that uh, we jackhammered holes down where the powder monkey blew the holes. And, and then after they came along, why? Uh, they set the power poles in there, but that was our job with a wagon drill or with a handheld jackhammer. That was my first job after I graduated out of high school. <clears throat> and then uh, in December of that year, why we uh, went up to the Snake River where they were starting to build Brownlee Dam. And uh, we... Uh, drilled the first holes for the power lines to go from the Oregon side to the Idaho side to start the, the building of, of Brown Lee. And uh, only worked up there for that cold, cold December winter because when I came home, I got sick. And so I didn't go back to go to work with the power company because I was off uh, working for probably six months or thereabouts because uh, I was, uh, I had a little problem. I couldn't even hug Donna because my abdomen was so tender because I had pancreatitis. Jeez. And so when I got home and finally went to see Dr. Krause, why, uh, he says, uh, we don't know what, causes pancreatitis in young people, youth, two things we do know, acute alcoholism, and I don't remember the other thing because, you know, it just said, no more drinking. <laughs> because we were working with a power crew, a mobile line crew, that were Bascos, and they do, you know, they like to imbibe. And so they, this white boy, yeah, 
anyway, so there was uh, a, quite a time before um, we got feeling better. And that's when Dr. Krause called and said, have a new internist come in and called well, and I want you to go see him. And that was Dr. Gableson. Oh, okay. He had just moved into Caldwell, went in to see Dr. Gabrielson, and he re I can remember, he reached down on the right-hand side of his desk, opened up the drawer, and took out a pill bottle, and had start taking these, and it will take care of your problem. And it did. Wow. So from then on, this kid's never had a drop of alcohol <laughs> pass his lips. Because somebody was trying to tell me something. You don't want to do that. <laughs> you already seen the 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 effects that the word of wisdom could have exactly by avoiding the alcohol. Exactly, but that was that was before I joined the church. So, not for sure. Uh, what do you remember about uh, your engagement uh, when you were married? Where you were you, were you married? Well, our engagement, uh, the. Uh, um, where the Valley View High School is now, on that south side of the the uh, property, there used to be an irrigation ditch run down along there, and there was a, a line of trees, and that's where I went to to uh, propose to Donna was there at that particular point. So that's the one thing that. Uh, was interesting about that because it was too far away from where I grew up on Montana, and so it was uh, it was a good time. And then, what year did you get married? Nineteen fifty-seven. Nineteen fifty-seven. Thirteenth of February, nineteen fifty-seven, in the Idaho Falls Temple, and it was a cold thirteenth of December. There was mucho snow on the ground. And the temperature was really cold. The thing that I remember about that particular morning, because we had to get up and do the whole nine yards that day. And so... Wedding days are busy, and now you had a bunch of snow and cold temperatures on top of all that. Yeah, yeah because that particular morning, there was just a, an orange hue as the sun was coming up that morning because it was so cold <laughs> it was so cold but anyway it was uh i think we had to get to the temple at four thirty, so that we could uh do all the initiatory and go through a session and oh, yeah. then be sealed and so it was a long day man it was it was a long day <sighs> so after you guys got married uh, she she let us know about your kids uh um you had three of them, and then uh, Sid was adopted? Yes. Okay. Yeah. What do you remember about those days when all those kids were born? What what sticks out in your mind? Shane was born in Caldwell. Jan was born in Twin Falls. When we lived down there, when I worked for Blacker's Appliance and Furniture. And Jill was born in Twin Falls. Then, uh, after Jana was born, why, doctor said, you shouldn't have any more children. And uh, she wasn't happy with two, so we did finally get pregnant with Jill. 
and that's when things really hit the fan because she couldn't even close her hands, couldn't pin the diapers, couldn't do anything with that new baby. It's a good thing that Jill was a good baby because uh, Donna really couldn't take care of her. So she she'd had some help. So after that, why there were there were no more children then. Donna just didn't want to have three. She wanted to have four. Actually, she would have rather had six. <laughs> but we only had four. So that's when we uh, put our paperwork in to the church uh, system to adopt uh, a baby and baby boy. So <clears throat> when uh, the worker called he said uh, you're not in line right now for adoption but he says I've been praying about the situation and I keep uh, being impressed that this baby this young man should uh, come to you and after that period of time, why, if you had more than two kids, they wouldn't even think about letting you adopt through the church program. So we were lucky. Anyway, Sid was five months old when we when we adopted when we picked him up, and uh, he was with another family. We don't know why he didn't stay with that family, but anyway. And so coming home from Pocatello, where we picked him up, why, no no car seats or anything like that at that particular time. He just time. held him. She just held him. Just held him. Yeah. <laughs> and Donna was, Donna had a hold of him, and he jumped all the way from Pocatello, Twin Falls, where we stopped to see our good friends, the Pettengills. And uh, she's looking at me and what have we gotten ourselves into? A little different baby than the other three. Just a little. <laughs> Just a little. Anyway, so that's uh, how Sid came about. And uh, really didn't have too many problems. Except there were a few things like going to school. He says, you know, Mom... The only reason I'm going to school is to ride the bus because he liked the smell of diesel. Hmm. Diesel smoke. <laughs> and so that was the only way he got him to school. And, and he had learning problems because uh, they said if you sit, sit down and one eye's on one side of the divider, the other eye's on the other side of the divider, one eye will see slower than the other so <clears throat> it's confusing to his brain and so he had a very hard hard time learning as long as he was in an environment that uh, there were only maybe a few kids and two teachers he got along well but he couldn't be out in the regular classroom because the fluorescent lights flickered and it just disturbed him really, really bad. So then things, that's when things started 
happening, but we, we did a lot of things to try and overcome his uh, disability. And it was a disability. But now you put him on a tractor, working with Larry Dowen, and uh, they had contests to see who could drive the straightest rows. And this was before GPS. <laughs> and they would see who could drive the straightest corgates and plant the straightest rows of corn. And that was the thing that uh, kept him from being in trouble, was being able to work out on the farm ground and be able to do those kind of things that uh, he enjoyed. And he, uh, he did well, because he liked it. And he could do it. That's great. Uh, Donna said that uh, your your other son, your other daughters, they, they went to college, they were well-educated, and yep. had successful careers. Yep. <clears throat> yep, Shane graded, graduated with uh, his bachelor's in mechanical engineering. And uh, when he finished his bachelor's, then he went on to get his master's. And uh, Mary had gotten all of her training as a registered nurse. And so she was in, working in a needle uh, emergency care facility in Provo. And Shane's uh, um, class that he was in, mechanical engineering, he was getting a stipend um, because he was writing the papers for the upperclassmen on the experiments that what they they were doing with coal-fired generator plants and they were making more money than Donna and I were and then Jana she went to uh, she went to college to get her MRS degree and she did and uh, Donna Jim Cheney had just come home from his mission and uh, she fell in love Donna fell in love with Jim Cheney and worked it out where they would get together. Almost an arranged marriage. It Donna. was. It okay. was. Almost. <laughs> and then Jill, she uh, she went to uh, Bryce Canyon. So it took her five years to graduate from school because, you know, the, the time that the... Uh, Bryce Canyon was open was later than when school started. And so that's where she she met uh, Muggy. And uh, now she's uh, responsible for making sure everything is put together properly at three insurance agencies in Emmett. So, yeah. That's great. She's good with numbers. That's awesome. Well, uh, tell me about... Uh... Tell me about your your business. You 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 learned uh, down at Blackers. You were a repairman. Uh, you eventually got into refrigeration. Um, how did that how did that come to be? Well, uh, Ed Cook was the store manager at uh, Twin Falls, and uh, of course he we knew each other when we were in Caldwell, and he said one day, uh, "How would you like to come to Twin Falls?" And, repair appliances because that's what I did when I was in high school. I'd go out and help dad uh, repair appliances for 
um, R.C. Anderson in Caldwell. Uh, no, there's another name. It'll come to me. Anyway, so we, we went down there for 10 years, and I learned about uh, household refrigeration. And, and there was a, a fellow by the name of Jim Coy that uh, was selling uh, refrigeration parts and etc. And he came in one day, and we had no, no need to go back and forth. And the time that I was in Twin Falls Way, I was also... Uh, taking classes at, on uh, in in at home on uh, refrigeration surface engineer society and was learning about the refrigeration trade reading the books and then going out and doing the work but uh, I can remember my dad when he was uh, when he would come down, and this is when he was starting to have problems with his hands with Lou Gehrig's disease, and I'd have problems that uh, he said, Dad, I'm having problems with this particular piece of equipment. Uh, what do I need to do? And so we would go down to Blackers and we'd work it out. So he helped me learn. So then when Jim Coy uh, came in one day, he says, uh, how would you like to uh, come back to Treasure Valley and get in the commercial refrigeration business? And I said, well, tell me what it will entail. He says, well, you'll be working in grocery stores. You'll be working in big refrigeration equipment, also small restaurant type equipment, etc." and working for a man that uh, at that time, he'd been in the trade a long time and he said, most of the people in Treasure Valley say, if you've got a problem with refrigeration, call up Carl Voigt and he'll, he'll figure it out or he'll work it out with you. And so I went to work for Carl. It was a positive thing because yes, we did learn how to do it right, and we did learn how to uh, work on big stuff because we had uh, grocery stores that, uh, you know, if uh, ice cream was getting soft, why the store manager was getting a little bit nervous, so you had to get up and run it, so you figured out quick to get it back online, whether you, whether you did it uh, um, according to oil or whether you Made some shortcuts, but you got it back working so that the ice cream stayed from running out of the packages. Hmm. Because we we did the service workout on the uh, sunny slope on the big fruit uh, cold storage is out there. So what eventually happened? Uh, you started working with Carl to the point where you took it on yourself. Well, he we worked for Carl for ten years. And at about that time, why he was wanting to retire, and so he was going to sell it, or he had sold it, to a company. And uh, we always say that he he kind of uh, muddied the water because he he says people just can't work for this this new guy, this new company that had bought him out. 
So there was a fellow that uh, uh, was working at the shop at that time, and we got together and talked about it, and we decided that we could uh, probably go out and start doing the work ourselves. So that's when we put together commercial refrigeration and started out in December of 79. And uh, people ask you, why in the world is a refrigeration company going to open business in December? Well, it worked out very well because by the time July hit, we were up and ready to go. We had parts, we had tools we needed to get out and get the work done and take care of it. So we had a partner for seven years and uh, um, one day he said, I just feel like I need to go out and do things by myself. And so we split the partnership then, and then we started hiring <clears throat> other guys that worked for the shop. And for a while, we had problems because couldn't find anybody qualified. And it's pretty tough to train somebody that's not uh, got a little bit of a background. Because <clears throat> you got to trust them to go out on their own and that's not right. screw something up. That's right. So there's a while where Don and I didn't take vacations. Because we couldn't leave and be sure that the business would be there when we got back until we hired two, uh, a fellow that I'd been guard with, and he'd worked full-time for the guard on Gowan Field. And uh, he had retired, and he was, uh, he was tired of having nothing to do, and so we hired him when he said he'd, he'd like to have, he'd like to go back to work. <laughs> So we hired him, and then uh, we found another young man that uh, good. In fact, uh, we were sad that he didn't uh, work out to buy the business, but anyway. How long did you have the business going before you sold it off or retired? Or, or we, The partnership was seven years long, and then we had, uh, uh, we've been in business 27 years, so it was 20 years. That's great. And so it was good. It provided uh, Don and I with money enough to uh, uh, retire and have money to go on uh, uh, trips and and do all the kinds of things that you're supposed to do when you retire. <laughs> so it was good. Now you mentioned the guard. What inspired you to join a branch of the military? How did that start? My brother-in-law, Tom Hill, was a officer in the guard in Caldwell. Caldwell had a <clears throat> tank company, and of course, at uh, that time it was just after Korea, and uh, they needed enlistments in the Idaho Army Guard, so he talked me into going in and joining up. So at 16 and a half, I went down and joined the guard. Mm -hmm. Not supposed to do that until you're 17. Well, it took a while for all that misquoted dates and things to get straightened out. But anyway, when I joined the guard, I was 17, supposedly. So the first year I went to summer camp, why <coughs> Cap Miller said, Holst, 
you don't tell anybody how old you are. You don't get into any trouble. You go go out and get drunk and have all these kinds of stuff because if they find out that you're underage, I've got to pay your wages and your all the meals and everything because you were underage. So I was a good kid. <laughs> anyway, so the time that uh, we were in Caldwell, um, go to summer camp in June, and I made it up to uh, uh, Sergeant First Class, E7, and uh, then we moved to Twin Falls, and I transferred to the recon unit down in Twin, Trubel, and uh, Vietnam was going on then, and they wanted to, uh, uh, they needed more officers, so they talked me into going to Idaho Military Academy, and so there I got my commission through a, an advanced course through the academy. And so then after that, uh, the 116th Armed Cab Regiment uh, was a track. We were on wheels and whatever, and it was not a good thing for Vietnam, so we never got called into active duty in, in Vietnam, uh, but uh, we involved, uh, I was a platoon leader, an executive officer, um, then I was troop commander of two different units, uh, one in Gutting and Buell, and the other one was in Troop F in Nampa, and then uh, I went to uh, up on staff and was an assistant S4 on staff when they retired me out because couldn't go to summer camp. So after 24 years, why we retired, but it was good because we did a lot of things that wouldn't that have been possible had I not been in the guard. You know, early on, why uh, guardsmen were called weekend warriors. And so it was kind of a uh, not a, a great thing that you were in the guard because you, you were just those folks that went to uh, drill on nights and then on weekends and two weeks at summer camp. But uh, as I thought about it over the years, I truly believe that there was a reason for the guard and for the things that were happening because if you remember, uh, Berlin crisis came along and it was because that there was reserve units, guard units available to be called up to fill in the active duty units. And so what happened? They backed off. Russia backed off. So we didn't go to war. Same thing happened with Cuban, the Cuban crisis. But the... Uh, the thing I have felt since these many years is the fact that it was because of those members of the Guard, Reserve, Air Force, Army, Marines, whatever, was the reason why Cuba backed off, Russian backed off, because of the fact that there were those folks that were able to come in and cover 
the needs, the things that were needed to be done. So I always feel positive about my service in the Guard because initially I didn't feel like I was a veteran, but after thinking about it over the years, I'm a veteran. You put a lot of time and effort into that. A lot of time, exactly. I can remember after <coughs> Don and I got married, boy, you know, the garments are, they didn't have OD garments at that particular time. And so uh, I checked, what do I need to do? You just need to be cautious and not expose yourself or whatever. Just do those things and not let everybody see and garms and things of that nature. And so because of the um, fact that in the initiatory, you are promised if you wear the garments all the time that you will be protected. And I believe that that happened all the time that I was in the guard and when I was working. Very important. So that was that was important. You were a, a convert to the gospel. Um, tell us about that. How how did you come to know God through the LDS faith, through becoming a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints? You want to know the truth? Sure. <laughs> you can be honest and frank here, Leonard. <laughs> well, it was because of Donna. <laughs> she wouldn't get married unless I was a member of the church and took her to the temple. And it was as simple as that. Whatever gets you in the water, I guess, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> but I met with the the stake missionaries at that time at their kitchen table. Hmm. We studied the gospel and etc. And so she was at school down at BYU. And then uh, because I had no understanding that any of my family had ever been or even knew about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints until um, Don and I had been married about 10 years. We lived in Twin Falls, and we went to Salt Lake one time and went down into the genealogy library there on Main Street in the old Montgomery Ward building. And Donna, and we had heard that... Uh, uh, my great-grandfather's name was Christian or Christ or something like that. So we walked into the genealogy library that day and uh, asked the person there, where should we start looking? She said, well, go downstairs, and there's a temple index card cabinet down there. Go through and look and uh, start there. And we did, and thumbing through the cards. And there is Christian Wilhelm Jensen Holst, my great-grandfather, in the temple cards. He had joined the church in Denmark, immigrated to the United States, and lived in Levan, Utah. And we knew nothing about that. And so what it comes down to is the fact that she has said many times, there are those on the other side of the veil that want their work done 
And so that's the reason why she's involved with family history. Because I always say that they knew I wouldn't do it, but she would. Did you find out a new about your history of of those ancestors, about why they left the church? Did you ever find any of that history at all? No. My grandfather, Peter, was never involved with anything with the church, nor dad. He just got lost over the generations? Just, he just lost just, the faith? And... Because uh, my grandfather, Peter, came to the United States and came to Utah and visited his dad. And either they had a conflict, uh, church-wise, who knows what happened. But anyway, he went back to Nebraska. Of course, that's where he met my grandmother and married and dad was born back there. But uh, there was just that gap between Peter and, and my dad, Floyd, that they, knew, they didn't know anything about, about the gospel at church. Interesting. But then when we found that out, like... <clears throat> Donna saw the name of the person that had uh, sub submitted the information and she was still living in Salt Lake. <laughs> and uh, we called her up, Donna called her up and, and she said, oh, we are so happy to know that we found Peter because they didn't know what had happened, wow. where he had gone. And so there was quite a bit of work done in a certain area, but uh, that's a pretty amazing story. It's it was meant to be. <laughs> I was moved from uh, upper upstate middle sand hills of Nebraska to uh, Caldwell, Idaho, in 1943 to meet Donna. Find the church and do the work for those that are on the other side of the veil. Family history can uh, bring a lot of people together. Exactly. For some different ways. That is pretty cool. I have, I have no doubt in my mind as to why it happened and when it happened. Right, we've had a great discussion. Um, appreciate your time and just telling us your stories and experiences. If there was a message that you could send 100 years into the future for your posterity to hear, posterity to hear, what would it be? I always believe that God, the Eternal Father, watches out and is interested in each one of us. And that your elder brother, Jesus Christ, is the Savior of all mankind. Don't ever forget that. Because there are a lot of things that happen, but we always have that to rely on. Well, appreciate your testimony, Leonard, and it was a great conversing with you, and thank you for sharing uh, your life experiences. And uh, that's another episode for the Caldwell 11th Ward podcast. Uh, tune in for other episodes. Make sure you subscribe. Thank you, Leonard.